This is Neon Radio, episode 118, with actress Emmanuel Shrieky. Welcome to Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, fashion and lifestyle photographer for today's top brands, performers, and game changers. On this podcast, we explore the body, mind, and soul of the creative entrepreneur, bringing you inspiring guests to help take your creativity, business, and life to the next level. Welcome to Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin. I'm excited to bring to you this week's guest, Emmanuel Shrieky. If you don't know who she is, she played Sloane from the hit show Entourage. She has been in many movies, including You Don't Mess With the Zohan, and also in the mix with fellow podcast guest Usher. She also just released her new show, Shut Eye, on Hulu. Emmanuel is a sweetheart and amazing human being, and we really got open and vulnerable on this episode. On this episode, we talk about so many things like the emotional ups and downs of a creative career, especially in the acting world. We talk about her creative process as she gets into a script and gets into roles. We also talk about therapy and how everyone needs therapy and how there's such a stigmatism about it, but it actually can do wonders and it helps so much, especially for the artist. And I'm sure you can attest that as an artist, there's emotional highs and lows and so many things that affect you on such a personal level, especially as it relates to your art and making money. We also talk about the art of positivity and staying positive through the downtimes. It really was such an inspiring conversation. But before we jump into it, I just want to remind you guys to join the Neon Life community at neonlife.com slash community. And it's a Facebook group where you can dive in, meet other creatives and collaborate and ask questions, share what you're inspired by and all of that. Also, the show notes can be found at neonradio.com slash EP118. You can find all the links that we talk about here in the episode. So without further ado, I bring you the one, the only, Miss Emmanuel Shrieky. What's up, guys? Today, I am so excited to have Emmanuel Shrieky on the show. We've been, this is a long time I in the making. Know, I'm so glad we could make it happen. I know. Thanks for taking the time. Oh, no. I'm thank so you. so excited. You and I met a few years ago at Summit in mm-hmm. Tahoe. Mm-hmm. And we've been in How touch. How many years I mean, that? I think it's been four or five years at least. At least. At least, yeah. And wow. We had some we had some good times there yes. up in the mountains. Oh yes. Indeed. <laughs> that was my first one. Oh wow. That, okay. Yeah, that summit was my first one. It yeah. Game changer. It's a yeah, it's a it's a fun, fun thing. I I have been have you been since then? Um, I went to what was outside on the it was was it called outside on the hill on the mountain in Utah? Yeah. What's yeah, called yeah. outside? So I had gone there. Okay. And, I have, and then I've been like to visit the mountain, but not in a while. You haven't been on the boat. 
No. <laughs> no, no. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Are, that yeah. feels like a yeah, a big giant party you have to be in the mood for. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And then we well, we ran into each other at Coachella a few years ago yeah. and then reconnected with uh with Stacy, my yes. girlfriend. And uh, lovely Stacy. Yeah. And then we had our amazing photo shoot. Yeah. It hasn't even yet to come out. I know. It's supposed to come out. Like she, I heard from her. It's coming out in a couple months or next month or something, but we'll see. Yeah. But, but I'm excited. Great. We yeah. finally, we, we talked about it when we first met. I we know. finally got to do a photo shoot together, which you guys will see. Yes. I'm excited to, to show everyone. Yeah. But, uh, Me too. Let's, uh, let's jump in. I want to, you know, let's talk about, you know, you're known for... I would say entourage and a number of different things. You're just in Shut Eye, your mm-hmm. new your new show, mm-hmm. and now we're we're off and venturing. But let's get a start. You're from Canada, mm-hmm. born and so, raised. Born and raised. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point you probably want to move back there, right? <laughs> After with what's going on. I'm about to blow your mind. Uh, I'm actually uh, working on becoming a citizen. Wow. I know. Wow. I know. It's it's crazy because obviously you know with who's in office but listen i've been here for 17 years this is my home yeah and he's not going to be in office forever i'm not giving up hope <laughs> on this country like, right. i'm really excited to become a citizen yeah you well know? we're happy to have you thanks <laughs> thanks so much <laughs> so tell us like in, what was it how was your upbringing what where did your passion for acting come from um, wow. I grew up in Toronto in a small town outside of Toronto called Unionville. Um, my family were, you know, I would say traditional Jewish family in a very non-Jewish area. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like, literally, we were maybe one of two Jewish families where I lived. And it always sort of like set me apart. So all my friends, you know, on on Friday night, Shabbat, you know, be like, oh, M can't come out because she's got that like Friday night thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I spent a lot of time sort of uh, fighting with my parents on that kind of thing. But when, so I was really lucky because this, little town, Unionville, we had um, a community theater called the Mm -hmm. Unionville Theater Company. And one of my friends, Ty, his dad was the creative director of the theater company. And when Mm -hmm. I was about seven, he had been like, you need to come audition for my dad's play, um, you know, for the role of the baby ghost. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, yeah. So I'd always been very interested. Like I never knew that it was acting when I was young, young, Mm -hmm. but like I was that kid, like four or five, six, always dancing, always singing, (laughs) always putting on a show for the adults, like sort of a little ham. And then uh, I got my taste of the theater at seven and that's when I was like, oh, this is it. This is it. And I've been doing it ever since. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So how did you find your path to LA? Oh my God. God, it's so crazy. It's really such a trip, Nick, because it's like, you know, when you, when you reflect back on your journey Mm -hmm. and then present day, I, if I knew today what I would go through to get here, I'm just not sure that I would do it again. Really? Like, as, as gratifying as it's been, it also, like, when I think back, like, everything from just getting 
a visa to come work in the yeah. States, you know, and, and, and just like that hustle mm -hmm. of, of coming to LA that, you know, the competition is tenfold of what it was in Canada. Yeah. Um, anyway, as I digress, I went to high school for the performing arts and I majored in theater. Mm. And then while I, in Toronto, the sort of, there's, there's, at different phases in my career, there were like very significant turning points. So the first turning point was in theater school. I was 16 years old and there was a writing competition hmm. um, for YTV, which is like sort of the Nickelodeon of Canada. Yeah. And the writing competition was the writer would get their pilot produced. Mm. And it was called The Right Stuff. And it was about like this, you know, popular girl who's like a total bitch and like, just, you know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> and in yeah. my theater class, this is funny, one of the girls was on Degrassi, which was like a huge show in Canada. Mm. And she was gorgeous and she had long blonde hair and her name was Sarah. And she was really such a stunner. And everybody was like, well, duh, of course Sarah is getting the part of right. Roxanne Donovan. Well, not so. <laughs> so I scored this part and it was sort of my first professional gig. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I got my agent and, oh, wow. and sort of really, like when I tell you from the ground up, I mean like one liners on a show, two lines on a show to yeah. like a guest star to, you know, and really just built and built. And I was really nomadic for a very long time. I was in Toronto and then I moved out to Vancouver because there was a huge industry mm. there and just like did these, these parts and all these things moved back to Toronto. I was always sort of chasing the industry and at a certain point, I guess in my mid twenties, like 21, 22, 23, um, I had done a film in Toronto, an American film called Detroit Rock City, mm. which was like a sort of a cult classic. And at that point, I'd really, really wanted to get to New York. Like that was my mm. goal. I was like, gotta get to New York. And therefore the visa stuff. I mean, I did everything to get yeah. this visa. And I moved to New York and I really thought New York would be home base. And for the premiere of Detroit Rock City, it was in LA. I came out and ended up staying here. Wow. Yeah. It sent my, like a year later, sent all my stuff. And I was in LA and, you know, again, like another grind of just, you know, breaking in and yeah. had some pretty, you know, a hundred girls with Jonathan Tucker was one of my first films I did out <laughs> yeah. here and like, you know, just sort of kept at it, kept at it. And, um, and then at a certain point I had moved to LA just for like a blip mm -hmm. in my twenties. And I was, I hated it. Like uh -huh. I was, yeah, I hated LA. I was like, this is not for me. I, this, and, and, and I actually took a sabbatical from everything. Like I was like, wow. I don't think I'm cut out for this. I don't think I want to be in this business anymore. I'm going to quit. And I moved back to Toronto and, um, I, I was so lucky. I met this therapist who really dealt with artists mm. a lot. 
And I told her, like, I think I'm really, I'm done. I've had it. I don't want to do this anymore. And by the end of our time, she was like, I don't think you're done. I think this is absolutely your path. You know, got to go back at it. And I had um, an offer to audition for Snow Day, Mm. which was uh, like a big Paramount kids movie. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, no. And I passed. I was like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to do this. Maybe I'll do some theater. I yeah. never going to go do this play in Vancouver. Like, just dip my toe back in. And they were really insistent that I go in for Snow Day. And I, and I like, kicked and screamed, begrudgingly went in. Yeah. Got the part. And that brought me sort of back to L.A. where mm. I, like, stayed. And that was almost, <laughs> what, almost 18 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It gives me a couple other questions I want to ask, but first of all, I want to go back to a little bit, you know, I think every artist has, I call it the ramen days Uh and it's like, you know, when you're, you're, you kind of like quit your, quit your day job or you maybe you don't have a day job or you have to do whatever it takes to get to a space where people are paying for your art. What did those days look like for you? Oh. Oh my God, those were so real. I mean, interestingly enough, I never had another job once I moved to the States. So like, mm. I really was just able to sustain myself oh. acting. Well, sustain, <laughs> mildly. I was able to sustain myself because of the generosity of my incredible friends. I mean, the ramen days in LA looked like couch surfing, can I borrow your car for an audition? Oh, wow. Um, literally, like, couldn't even make rent. Like, literally calling my dad in hysterics, just being like, I, again, like, I can't do this. I'm not cut out for this. Like, I'm broke. Like, broke. <laughs> and then, like, you know, having things change on a dime. And then getting on the line, which was a film I did with Lance Bass, and literally paying my rent for a year. Being like, here's rent for a year. (laughs) It feels good. It feels so good. And it was like that for a long time. And in Canada, I waitressed the the whole time I was acting. Mm. Like, always waitressed. Always had, um, you know, that as another income, a way to make ends meet. Um... Yeah, it was real. And yeah. then and then I would say probably like around Entourage, that was just like another turning point where I started to feel like more financially independent. Mm-hmm. And the, the it was, you know, I'll preface this. You know me. I'll yeah. always say it. The struggle is real. I, I don't, whatever <laughs> place you are in your career, yep. I don't think that the struggle lessens. I think it's just a different set of struggles. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like whether in success or not, you're constantly (laughs) climbing this ladder. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's this, there's, I mean, I, we were talking about this earlier. I'm, I'm going through it myself and it's just, there's this whole, like, once you think you've made to a certain space, it's just like, it's never there for real. Like you, you go through that struggle and yeah, you know, you, you have to, what do you, what do you feel like you have to have to get through those ups and downs? I think you have to have, you know, honestly, not to sound like a cliche, but I think if you know our crew of family, of mm-hmm. like our tribe, that is like we are thickest thieves. I think there's, you know, a, a spiritual base, an emotional base. Like I have 
you know, my boyfriend and just my closest friend, my family, like just meditation, you know, which isn't, and some days are better than others, but like, where would I be without them? Yeah. I don't know. I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. Like, is that, that's a frightening (laughs) thought to me. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's interesting you say meditation. I've been doing, I've been meditating for the last like year or so, year and a half. And it's, it's, it helps. What kind of meditation are you doing? Uh, do Vedic meditation. Oh, great. Yeah. So what, what kind are you doing? TM. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So kind of the same thing. Totally. How has it helped you? Wow. Uh, you know, the way that I describe TM is I feel like it is this gentle but very powerful sort of this thing just over my life. Like where where I, I feel like it makes me calmer, mm-hmm. but all the, it, it, it always, it just feels really gentle. Like I can kind of reflect on the past three and a half years and see how meditation has like helped my life, yeah. but it's not this like big aha moment. Right, it's right. like gentle, but powerful, consistent. Mm-hmm. I think it, it allows me to sort of work through my anxiety mm-hmm. and to get rid of the cobwebs, you know, and it just gives meaning. Like at the end of the day, if for, if like, it's kind of like going to the gym, like if you have nothing to do on a day (laughs) and then you went to the gym, you're like, at least I went to the gym. (laughs) Right. right. I feel that way about meditation as well. Yeah. Like, Oh, okay. I meditated and went to the gym. It's a good day. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's so helpful in, and you know, because it's up and down. Everything's up and down. And I think the meditation definitely, like you said, helps mm-hmm. keep you more balanced. For sure. Yeah. And clearer. Yeah. Now you mentioned you saw a therapist, and I, you know, I th- I heard something about you. You've done uh, hypnotherapy as well. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be curious to hear what you've done with that and how that's helped helped your career, helped get stuff out. Because I know you know art. Being an artist, it's it comes from the inside out, mm. and I, I there's so I'm seeing so much correlation with that. Mm. How has hypnotherapy helped you? Holy cow! It has been you know I started doing hypnotherapy about um, maybe five years ago, and I initially I went really to move through some career stuff. Mm-hmm. And as an artist, I think you understand when I say like so much of our artistry is how we present ourselves. So really needing a, like a, a sense of confidence, a sense of worthiness of self-love. Like I think all those things are true for any human mm-hmm. on planet earth. But I think, especially as an artist, mm-hmm. I think it, it shows through. When you walk into a room, you either own it or all they can see is that shroud of like insecurity and yeah. stuff and stuff. And so initially I had gone, I felt, you know, l- let me say this. I'm so grateful and appreciative for the journey of my career. Like it's been amazing. Mm -hmm. It is also like in retrospect, I feel like it's also been very like 
start, stop, start, stop. Like there are moments where I felt like it was like in the flow and, and you know, as an actor, you're like, okay, hey, you're on one gig and then you know what your next gig is. That's a dream, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not always like that. Yeah. And in my journey in particular, you know, I've had these like burst moments that have been like amazing, but then there's been just a lot of lag time in between. Mm-hmm. And that's been really hard. And for me, I've always questioned it. Like, why? Why does that happen? And what? And so when I went to hypnotherapy, I was really trying to move through not being defined by the success of it necessarily, but mm-hmm. just really accepting my journey all the while having goals and living in this creative space. Mm-hmm. And that was massive. Yeah. Like... The, because, you know, it's all the actual, like, first it's a therapy session and then it's hypnotherapy for 20, 30 minutes. My therapist would bring me through just, she had this ability of like hearing what you said in the session and then doing the most incredible manifestation hmm. that would, you know, that when you listen to as you're falling asleep and when you wake up, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's programming yeah positive messaging and I did that for years and then I and then I had I was working with her literally as so my father died five years ago Mm. now almost and I was working with her as he was dying wow which was really powerful you know because for for myself I had my mother died when I was a young girl I was 16 and so when I was working with my therapist, there was this real fear of being an orphan and like not knowing how to navigate, not wanting to live in regret Yeah. because I was young when my mom died and I ran away from it. And then with my dad, I wanted to be present. So, you know, and needless to say, it has shaped my sort of recent past. Absolutely. I swear by it. I love it. And I think it's also, it speaks to me. Like, I love the healing arts. I love it. It's like, it's on the periphery, (laughs) you know, energetic. Otherwise, I just absolutely believe in all that. Absolutely. I think it's very important. I think the older that I get, I realize like we all need therapy. We we all need, get it, get it sooner than later. Yes. Yes. I agree. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I don't know why it has a bad rap. I don't know. I don't know what the fear triggers in people. Maybe they're scared to see what comes up. Yeah. Maybe it's, I think it's ego too. Mm. And, you know, I mean, speaking of ego, I want to go back to you were saying earlier is like, it's so hard to become an other, the, the balance between becoming an artist for the passion of the art and for the idea of success and fame. Mm. And I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on how you've been able to kind of decipher between the two and what your advice would be to, hmm. to, to, to go the right direction. I mean, for me, it's quite simple. My joy is on set. Mm-hmm. That's my joy. All of this <laughs> bullshit and struggle and craziness <laughs> and inconsistency and feeling like a loser sometimes, all of that is worth it. The moment I step on set. It's like, mm. oh, yeah, this is why I'm doing it. Yeah. There's a magic. There's a magic to, to filmmaking, to acting, to, you know, 
exploring another life mm-hmm. and making that truthful and you know telling a story i think mm-hmm. entertainment you know i think so many people i think it's like a the knee-jerk reaction to say like well it's not like we're doing brain surgery and it's like no we are not doing brain surgery but we are artists creating joy yeah. and and enabling people to feel emotions or live through something you know that yeah. they can watch and lose themselves in and i think that's so special and yeah. i have such a profound respect for the artist community like mm-hmm. i just feel like people who put themselves out there and like bear their souls in that way um oh i'm just like proud to be part of that yeah. community you know yeah. so i think that that line of like success versus you know doing it for the craft it definitely gets entangled because i think the longer you've been in the game the more experience that you've had you want to sink your teeth into things you know mm-hmm. you've almost like paid your dues yeah. and then you want to be able to do stuff that like not only like that me I would want to watch like mm-hmm. I want to be doing that kind of stuff now. yeah and and so when I say entangled it's just that it's success that are going to bring about those opportunities yeah so it's hard to navigate but I think the eye on the prize is just always knowing that you're doing it for the love of the craft absolutely and i think like maybe it takes longer maybe yeah, i think that's a big one maybe it just takes longer because you're going to say a lot more no's than yeses because you because you're going to hold out for that thing that you love yeah you know yeah yeah so my advice to anybody would be like truly do it cuz you love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Like from a deep soul place. Yeah. Cuz it's too hard otherwise. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's so much other just <laughs> stuff you have to go through to really like get to that space that you love. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I mean, now correct correct me if I botched this up, but you said, you know, art art imitates life mm-hmm. and life imitates art. And 100%. I'd love to hear where that came from and why you love that so much. You know, I think probably from being in such a competitive business, mm-hmm. at a certain point you realize like there's enough for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think if you come from the belief that you do what you're supposed to do. There's a little bit of, you know, I find in our industry it really pulls into like the spiritual, into the soulful a lot. Yeah. And so often, you know, when I play a role, I feel like either it's this feeling of like, wow, this is so familiar to me, mm-hmm. you know, or this is something that I'm so <clears throat> curious about or something that is like in my consciousness. Yeah. So oftentimes like I'm, I'm floored how often that happens. I think most, I think most actors would say that Yeah. this feeling of just like, the question, is it art imitating life or life imitating art? <laughs> right. Like, which brings which? Yeah. And I think it, it's, it, it's interchangeable. Yeah. Like, it happens. And I think it's such a, 
amazing thing yeah when you kind of tune in that way yeah it can it kind of weaves back and forth yeah 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 absolutely so what now say you get it what's your creative process like when you you know speaking of this it feels like that's part of the creative process mm-hmm. but love to hear your creative process say like when you get a role um how do you kind of dive in and, and create that character huh <sighs> i think it really depends on the role. I mean, there are some that it doesn't take that much, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like uh Charlize Theron in monster <laughs> it's like right. full transformation. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't done that yet. Um, but certainly my process is, um, well, talking about art imitating life or life imitating art in shut eye. I played a hypnotist. Yeah. And, it was so wild to me when I auditioned for that because I was like, I've been doing hypnotherapy for the past four years. Like, this is so in my <laughs> body. Like, I, I, it's it's like the second sense. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it was so crazy. And I said that in the audition room. And the, the creator was like, really? <laughs> he said, I, I can't believe it. I was like, no, for real. Um, but, you know, so... I'll talk about that is that, you know, getting ready for that role. I went to my therapist and I had asked her, you know, just some sort of specifics about hypnotism, hypnotherapy and hypnot like hypnotizing somebody is different. Right. But there are things that, you know, you can use. And she definitely told me about, um, uh, oh God, what was the term? Linguistic. It's, I can't remember the term, NLP. NLP. Yes. 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 programming. There you go. Yeah. And, um, and you know, so she sort of talked to me about that and mirroring, like mirroring like physical stuff and, you know, all that kind of thing that I was able to bring into the role. And then really my process is, you know, I have a coach that I, I've been working with for many, many years. His name is Howard Fine. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I like to just take my script over to him. And we just talk about the history, the backstory, who this person is, what her fears are, what her mm. hopes are, what her dreams are, what's her overarching like goal. And, and just talking about it, it's just, it starts to be these downloads that just sort of happen. Yeah. And then, you know, and then I just, my personal process is that I really leave room to see what's just going to happen on the day because I can't anticipate what the other person is going to do and how that's going to make me feel. Mm. So there is a certain amount of preparation and then literally like, Blowing it away <laughs> and living in the moment. Yeah. And with this particular character, it was really fun because I subconsciously, like when I watched it, I realized that like she moved and she spoke in a very different way than myself. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and there were for sure some conscious parts of that, but then there was other parts of that that I think, it, like it just happened with yeah. the with the atmosphere and the scene and who I'm working with and what the context is. So, you know, I to me I understand why they call it movie magic because there yeah. is there is something to be said. Like you can prepare all you want, there is something that happens. Yeah. 
So how is that? I mean, I guess, you know, how, you know, compared to what the script is to that, how much leeway do you have to play around with that? How much, how much stuff comes spontaneously, would you say? Um, again, it depends on the project. You know, there are some writers, creators that are like word for word. Like you didn't say that and, and I want you to say that and. Wow. Yeah. Super intense. There's others that just provide the playground and they want you to just bring your interpretation of it and then you can tweak accordingly. I think also it depends on the actor that you are. I find that a lot of comedians, for example, they are going to give you a different take, every single take, throw in like a, a bit. Yeah. You know, like that's just how their brain works. For me, I find my freedom in repetition. Mm. So it's like when I know that we're in the ballpark, I just want to play in the the levels of that that's actually really contained. Mm. Like I it's that thing, like don't fix what ain't broke. You know, it's like so if the, the director or creator is like, yes, that's it there. I'm gonna play in that place. Yeah. Um, but it changes all the time. Yeah. That's fascinating. I'm sure it's and it takes an element of getting into flow. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any practices, you know, especially when you're on set that help get you into a flow state? Meditation. Meditation. Yeah. Like at this point in the game, I've been meditating for three and a half years. And, and I promise you this, like even most recently on my press tour, one day I had a radio tour and I had to wake up at three 30 in the morning, which was just so, brutal and I was like 3.30 might as well wake up at 3 do my 22 minutes (laughs) like talk about needing it more than ever right like I'm going to be sharp at 6am you know what I mean yeah so I find that that is just how regardless of my set call I will give myself time to meditate in the morning you know ideally with TM you do it twice a day I do it Every single day. I haven't done it twice a day in a very long time, mm. but I do it every single morning. Yeah. On set, at lunch, I'll often do a second just because it's, it's, it's a great neutralizer. Yeah. I think, you know, on set, so many people around, so many energies. Yeah. Then you think of all the electromagnetic energy that's flying around with the lights and the mic and they zap you and they're like, are you on? <laughs> like, you're just like, oh my God, what's happening? Like, everything gets, you know, jostled. Yeah. So I feel like meditation just really keeps me in check. Yeah. Eating well, drinking yeah. tons of water. Again, good days, bad days. <laughs> right. know, avoiding the sugar yeah. as much as possible so you don't crash. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Love that. Mm-hmm. Love that. It's interesting. The, the more people that are high in their game, top of their game, the more people I'm finding out do meditation. Yeah. And how much it actually really helps helps them in what they're doing. A million percent. So it's cool. Very yeah. cool to hear. Yeah. Um, and I, I I love it. Yeah. It's, it's great. So let's just jump back a little bit. You know, I want to hear, like, when you got your – you talked about you get these – I don't, know, I don't want to call breaks, but like turning points. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it sounds like Entourage is one of those mm. big, big turning points. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was it like before and how did that catalyze and change your career? 
or I change think, your life? I, I mean, I would say definitely there is life before Entourage and life after. I mean, and the difference <laughs> was quite truly, I had done, the business has changed so much. It's unbelievable. Prior to Entourage, I only did film. Mm. I only did films and like studio films and it was leads of studio films. Yeah. That's, that's just a rarity these days. Mm -hmm. Like you're lucky if you even get to audition for them anymore because everything is like packaged. Hmm. It's the same, you know, whatever, 10, 10 girls that are like the it girls, but just the opportunity to at least audition like just go and audition for stuff that is just far less these days because mm. everything is sort of packaged now yeah so the irony is that before entourage i did tons of film but i was like nobody really knew me it was like oh that girl from snow day or that, yeah. you know that. then entourage happened and people started to know my name that was like a big difference yeah. you know in the industry and then, funny enough, is that with all that success and yeah. all that sort of notoriety, for a long time, I just got like put in this box <sighs> that was like a box I did not want to be in. Oh, no. Yeah. Which was, you know, very flattering and all the rest, but it was like Sloan and she was the wifey and she was like, you know the dream girl and mm -hmm. like everybody wanted to marry her. And it was this thing that, that for the longest time people could only see me as that, right. which was like, what? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even understand, but, right. but that's what happened. So then, so, so it's like, I just described that entire chapter as like, it was a dream. It would be a chapter in a, book if I ever wrote one yeah. but it was also bittersweet because it's like as an actor the thing that you fight against is being put into a box in any capacity mm -hmm. you just want to be able to play all over the place yeah and I'm certainly driven and inspired by much more than playing the girlfriend yeah you know so after Entourage there was a there was like a, a solid maybe year longer than a year where I didn't work. I didn't oh, wow. work because everything that came my way was that. So I uh, said no. I said no for like a year. And it was like the worst oh, year of my life. Like God. just because it was like I knew so clearly what I wanted to do. Yeah. And it was like no one was giving me the chance <laughs> oh, to no. do it. And, and yet at the same time, being part of this machine, right? It was so wild. It's like, it's like a constant dichotomy, this business. It's yeah. like constant. It's so wild looking back. But then it was like, then there was like a really cool couple of years of just really playing, you know, a lot more interesting parts, you know, since that. And then of course going to go back to Entourage and do the film yeah. with like the most full heart because, you know, my family, my bros are yeah. all those guys. Yeah. And we picked up where we left off and it was 
incredible. The experience was amazing. Oh, uh, that's fun. It's so fun. And then we went to London for the premiere and it was like, you know, that reminder of just being a part of something so, so special. Yeah. And then, you know, now it's just an interesting time because, you know, with Shut Eye, I played like such a cool and complex character and it was such a joy and my cast was so incredible and it's just really given me that hunger to sort of, you know, keep playing in that field. Yeah, and And kind of build on top of that, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So... So it's it's interesting how you know you were talking earlier how it's like staying positive mm. when things are so up and down. Beast. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is a beast. It is a beast. beast. Um, how do you manage to stay positive? Honestly, I I I allow myself the dark days. Yeah. Like I allow myself the release of of being negative, of hating everything, of feeling fed up, of mm. feeling like everything is so damn unfair. And then it's like, okay, great. I had my moment. Now to, like to the, like like I said to you before we started the podcast, you know, over the weekend, I said to Gerard, my boyfriend, I was like, all right, baby, the challenge this week is that we are going to live in a positive place. And even if that means we have to bullshit our way through a positive space, we need to do that because we cannot like reaffirm this negative story, mm-hmm. you know, because like you, I'm sure you believe that energy begets energy and negativity begets negativity and positivity begets yeah. positivity. Yeah. And it's, to me, that's a fundamental belief, mm-hmm. but I don't think you can properly get there without releasing what needs to be released either. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's like, I guess I have no illusions, but there is that thing of like, okay, I'm choosing to no longer exist in the negativity yeah. because or else it's just too dark. Yeah. It gets just bleak, you know? And I think as creative people, we feel everything so much deeper, mm-hmm. you know, this is just, it's what we do for a living. Yeah. So the dark is really dark and the light is like blinding. <laughs> You're like, yes, <laughs> you know, and I, and I'm grateful for that. Cause it, I guess too, it's a reminder that I, you know, you can only experience extreme pain when you love something so much. Mm. If you're indifferent, you're not in pain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So to me, it's like a reminder that I really love acting. Yeah. And I love that. I'm lucky enough to be able to call this, you know, my life's career and my life's mission and that I'll spread, you know, my, my light, so to speak through my craft. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. That's amazing. Uh, I I love it. And so where do you think, where do you want to go? What's what's the dream? What are the dream? What are you, what's your dream now? I have big I'm, dreams. You know, things, like, especially as we evolve, uh-huh. dreams shift and change. What yeah, are, they do. What's your big dreams? I want to be nominated over and over and over again. Mm. I just want to be nominated. I don't even want to win. <laughs> I just want to be nominated because nominated to me means you're doing 
exceptional work Mm -hmm. with exceptional people. I feel like winning is a bit of a curse and then you're forever trying to beat that. Mm -hmm. Whereas just being nominated is like this playing field that I just want to be playing in. Yeah. Right. With like amazing filmmakers and actors and just telling important stories that, you know, so that's like the dream dream that has never shifted. And by the way, that could be, that could be the Oscars. That could be an Emmy. It could be a golden globe. Like it doesn't even matter. I just love film and television. Yeah. Television right now is really exceptional. Yeah. That's like, insane, it's right? It's insane. It's <laughs> so exciting. Yeah. So I don't even care like where. I just want to be working with incredible people. Absolutely. It's interesting how television has changed so much and how it's almost bigger than film, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Dinner conversation is about television. It's not about film anymore. Yeah. It's a blanket statement. 70% of the time, we're talking about television. Absolutely. About the newest cable show. You know, it has become um, this place that for women, for women of a certain age, it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible playground. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're seeing this, uh, there's so much range in it. It's just like, yeah. it's really exciting what's happening in yeah. television. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting how you can become, I, I think it's interesting how actors are differently branded in film and, tele, and, and television. Know. You know, people know, you can, people know people's names from film, mm-hmm. but not necessarily from television. Totally. And I'm always curious, like, what do you think about that? Like, how do you, why do you think that is? I think it's just sort of one of those things. There is this like deep fascination and, and sort of mysterious glamour about being a movie star. Mm. You know, I think being a movie star is like a needle in a haystack. So once you've made it to that place, it's almost this like mystic <laughs> character. Do you know what I mean? Like when we think of like Angelina Jolie or Scarlett Johansson or like these like film actresses, Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, like there's yeah. this almost ethereal quality about them because we've put them there right because there's so few mm-hmm. really and in television i think there's a lot more mm-hmm. but i i also really do believe that it depends on how your character like uh like how it just speaks to the masses like there are some people that are so magnetic so dynamic right. you cannot help but being obsessed with them yeah. or you want to know who they are or it makes you remember them you know yeah yeah it's very interesting mm-hmm. it is interesting very very interesting so moving forward what's your biggest fears moving forward what's my biggest fear is moving forward uh, I think not being able to do what I dream of doing is my biggest yeah. fear really I think it's that simple. Yeah. Like, yeah, I want to do, I want to work in Europe. Um, I did a French film several years ago and it was like the dreamiest experience of my life. And I really feel like as a, as an actor, I want one foot in Europe and one foot here. Ooh, that'd be fun. Oh my God. (laughs) 
I mean, yeah, so I guess that that's, that would really be my biggest fear is, you know, the fear of like, what if my biggest dreams didn't come true, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, I guess it's pretty vague, but I'm happy that my fears are pretty vague. Yeah. I try not to think about too much what I'm afraid <laughs> of. I mean, you know, the obvious, I want to be healthy for a really long time. Yeah. You know, I would fear getting sick. Yeah. Because that's awful. I don't know. I don't spend so much time thinking about what I'm afraid of. Good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. That's probably the best way to go. I hope so. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and I acknowledge you for being the light in the world that you are. Oh, you're so sweet. Takes one to know one. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. Uh, Where can people follow you, find you on the interwebs and see what you're up to? Well, Ishriki is uh, Instagram. Twitter, Facebook is Emmanuel Shriki, and I think that's it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. fantastic. We'll link it all up in the show notes. Amazing. Uh, I'm so excited we got to do this. Me too. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Neon Radio with Emmanuel Shriki. I am your host, Nick Onkin. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you could help us out by leaving us a good review over on iTunes. It helps us get higher up in the rankings and sharing this episode with your friends. And if you know somebody who is a fan of Emmanuel or Entourage, all of that, have them check out the episode. Don't forget to join the Neon Life community over at neonlife.com slash community. And neon is spelled N-I-O-N in every instance that we use it here. Since you're listening to the episode and not actually visually seeing it, don't forget you can check out the links and show notes over at neonradio.com slash EP118. And guys, I'm excited for you to be joining the Neon Life community as we grow the brand and grow the message So you know what time it is. It's time to go out and create your life by creating every small moment. And we'll see you next time. Rotating close to you.